Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 56, ID Check. Let's check that ID. We are broadcasting live while I am live for me from the Power of Change Worldwide Shedquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Jesse Fury will be back with me next week as we continue with some uh, discussions about uh, virtues and vices, actually, hopefully. Uh, next week, we will be doing an episode called Intellectual Vices, or based on a book uh, by Kasim uh, Kassam, uh, a book called Vices of the Mind, uh, from the intellectual to the political. The thesis of that book is that there are blameworthy vices in our thinking that leads people to do bad things. So we'll hit that up together here in a minute. But today, I have a special one-off episode, mainly uh, so I can play with a new toy and also uh, share a little bit with you guys, something very, very important to me. So it's cr- it's a crazy day for me. I've got uh, three new uh, messages that I'm writing for a men's retreat I'm doing next weekend. I'm speaking at a middle school FCA today. A little nervous, middle school, hard audience, right? I've got this random Emmanuel Kant quote in my head. Uh, I was looking at financial aid for colleges at a seminar last night. And then trying to put together a short podcasting episode. So I feel a little bit insane. You know what I'm saying? Uh, But I'm fired up. Here's why, friends. I am using a new podcasting tool in our studio called the Roadcaster Pro. It's kind of like a soundboard mixer slash uh, podcasting ninja tool all rolled up into one. And man, is it awesome. So for instance, when we do our in or out segment, when I'm asking, you know, Jesse questions, I could say, Jesse, you want to go in or out on something? I could just put on some background music like this, say, hey, brother, uh, in or out. Did you watch the Democratic National Debates last night, player? And he'll say, uh, uh, I'm out on that. But anyway, all sorts of live fun sound effects that we can do together here now on that. And speaking of in or out, I was wondering if it was appropriate or inappropriate to do in or out by yourself. <laughs> can I ask myself uh, in or out questions? So I thought no, but I did want to give a commentary, and I guess it's not really a segment. Uh, we'll just call it in or out. But uh, my segment is this question. Um, do you take vacation with or without your kids. This is kind of something that um, folks that have children, maybe married folks with children, would ask. And I tell you what, man, uh, over the years I've counseled uh, countless now premarital couples or married couples to take vacations without the kids. You you might be thinking, Reed, man, I ain't got no money for that. Believe me, I've had three years in a row with max out-of-pocket health care expenses because of lots of surgeries, man. I know what it feels like to be low in the flow. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not talking about going to some exotic location, spending massive loot, you know, lowering your quan levels uh, in order to get away. I'm talking about simple things where you leave kids with responsible babysitting, you know, folks that love them and, and they love to be around. Grandparents, if if they're living, are great, right? Because it's a win-win-win babysitting situation uh, with parents. And then just getting away Somewhere. It doesn't have to be fancy. You can Motel 6 it, man. Um, but Casey and I developed this habit years ago, and right now we're feeling the need. We were talking last night like, ah, we need to get away because we got five schedules, man, that are just rolling, and we're trying to fit it all together. Casey uses a whiteboard. She doesn't like the computer calendar as much because she needs to see it all together. So she's got this color-coded whiteboard in our kitchen 
that uh, manages our insane lives, but uh, we're feeling the need to get away. And, and we've liked doing this, not because we don't want to build memories and experiences with our children, uh, but we just have found that when you get away, even for a night without kids, you can remember your friendship, right? You're not just uh, doing the day-to-day, get things done, get kids here, get kids there kind of life, right? Living the life, man, you know, where you're just tired and crossing in, in the dark kind of thing. Uh, we found that just to get out of that, be at peace, certainly if, if moms with young kids and they need, they need to get away from baby talk and diapers and screaming and disciplining kids, you know, cause that, that job is always on, uh, to be at peace with each other and even dream, um, with your spouse, uh, you know, for the next season of life, man, it's, it's a good thing. So that's my recommendation of the day. I'm going in on that vacation without kids and I obviously do some things with the family for us that (laughs) usually involves going to soccer tournaments and things like that. Uh, because that's a little bit of who we are as a crew. Now, main topic today related to that ID check. And by that, I mean, identity, right? ID check, check your ID. I don't know when I was, uh, a young man, um, I wasn't yet a follower of Jesus, and I remember going into like a bar my freshman year of college with an identification card, an ID, right, that was going to be checked that said I was like from Wyoming and that I was 21 when in reality I was 18 and from Virginia, right? And you knew like, oh, that bouncer, he won't check you if you're with this guy because he's cool, um, that kind of life. Or I always like to look watch these Cold War era uh, movies where somebody's going through a, a, a checkpoint uh, into either a communist place or even like in World War Two, you know, a Nazi dominated place. And some somebody's asking you papers, please give me your papers. Got to check that ID. One of the things that uh, recently I've taken a couple trips with Kylene, my uh, gosh, she's almost 16 years old. Crazy. Um, we like to listen to music or stuff in the car. We've kind of started listening to um this one song by a New Zealand duo called Flight of the Concords. And uh, it, it has this funny line. I'll play it for you about uh, identification uh, and ID, who you are. It's, it's basically a song called The uh, Summer of 1353, where basically this guy's trying to woo a lady and he's doing all this stuff. I'll just play a short clip of that for you. There are two things that I must see. One foreign and one form of picture ID. Alas, I have no ID on me. Who even carries ID? It's 1353. I make it on the rules. I had a very unflattering tapestry made of me. <laughs> uh, who even carries ID? It's 13. 13- 53. Yeah, Kylie and I love that song. It's uh it's quite the thing. Do the live version if you're using Spotify or a music streaming service, Apple Music, uh, Amazon, whatever. Uh do the London live version of the summer of 1353 and it's uh it's pretty great. Um identity, why is this important? If anything, and I've been thinking about this a lot today because I'm speaking to uh middle schoolers, right? Hard hard crowd, guys, hard crowds, middle schoolers today. And whenever I think about ages, and here we're dealing with like, you know, 12 to 14 years old kind of deal, right? Sixth, seventh, eighth graders. 
What are some of the important things that you need to get established as a young person, even more so in our culture today? What is not being established many times for our younger people? And certainly identity. Who am I? Right? <laughs> That's a middle school crisis question. Oh, but for years, um, obviously, Casey and I were both uh, Division One college athletes. Uh, so that meant we put a lot of time, effort into that craft uh, to get to that level, right? It was, it's not easy. Um, I, tell, I tell people all the time, nobody, no, it's very, very hard to get that level. We tell our kids, we don't expect you guys to do that. We don't even care if you want to do that. Um, it's just a difficult thing. And when you get to that level, your, your identity, who you are is very connected, probably too much, right? to your performance as an athlete. So who am I? Well, I'm a football player or I'm a soccer player. Um, I had a bad game last week. So these kind of these up and down yo-yo identity crisis that can happen. Now, I remember when I became a Christian, uh, learning some helpful things like you are not what you play, right? You are not what you do. Now, that's a very helpful thing to say, hey, my identity comes from somewhere else, not my points and prizes and performances, but my identity, who I really am, has to come from somewhere else. But now, track with me for a second. <laughs> if you've played a sport since you were four years old, and many of my college wrestling teammates had wrestled since they were like four or five years old, and if you've done that your entire life, it's very, very hard to imagine that that, all of a sudden, maybe you become a Christian, has nothing to do with who I am, right? So... I struggled with this because I had one sense, very helpful to know that you are more than what you do. But at the same time, the things that we put massive effort, massive amounts of time into, right? Um, I do think God has that in our lives for a reason uh, and something to say about who we are. Now, I've tried to balance this out, and I think this is applicable to everyone uh, because all of us have a, um, a, a litany or a lot of things that we do. Right. If you're if you're for your main job, you may be very good at it. Right. Um, and that uh, that thing really contributes to your life. In fact, we spend a lot of time sleeping right in life for the brain to replenish and the body to uh, re-energize. And we spend a lot of time working. We do those two things more than anything else. And so I do believe that God uh, would have our work. Uh, if you're an athlete, your sport have a lot to do with who we are now. Here's where it gets tricky. I want to give you two categories that I think are helpful. And, and I've taught this to university athletes. I've taught this to actually elder, elder boards at churches, right? Because ministry can become an identity uh, that can dominate, dominate a little bit too much as well. And so I want to give you two categories. First, an essential or a core identity, right? An essential or a core identity, and the second category I want to give you uh, is very creative naming, a secondary identity or a peripheral, maybe you would say, core or secondary identity. Now, I had a friend, a pastor named Ed Marcel, who kind of uh, uh, teased these out and was talking about soul identity versus second identity, pure identity versus practiced identity. That's kind of cool. Uh, being identity versus doing identity, existential uh, identity versus experiential identity. I like that. Um, so thanks, Ed, for all those categories. But I, I, in sticking with these very simple core identity, secondary identity, how do I define these things? First of all, 
a core identity is your deepest and truest self that is defined, right, relationally. It is certainly more than what you do, right? And it's reflected by where you belong and the communities you call home. Uh, In other words, what is your team? Your core identity is defined relationally and by love and belonging. Now, secondary identity is related to the things we do that shape us as we travel through life in various circumstances and in these various relationships and contexts we find ourselves. Now, secondary identities can either be one of two things. They can be character-forming. We might even say virtue-forming and serve to reinforce our core identity, right? They're helpful to our primary identity and who we are. Or uh, secondary things in life, our work, our sport, whatever we do, can lead us away from our core identity. I, I reflect this with my kids all the time because I tell them to remember who they are. You know, if they're going off to something, I say, hey, man, remember who you are. And then I always follow it up with by remembering whose you are, right? Their place of belonging, that they that they have a last name. They belong to the Monaghan home team, right? That they are named relationally and covenantally, uh, by the name of God, the name of Jesus, right, marks them as a place of belonging, that they are sons and daughters of God, first core identity primarily defined relationally by love. Now, for, for instance, my own life, right, it's an important thing that I was a football player and a wrestler as I grew up, right? I would not be who I am today without those things. Those things are formative yet they cannot serve as a foundation for my identity in my life. Now, it's important, right, uh, that I grew up loving science and mathematics as a young man, right? These things are formative, cannot be foundational, right? Is it important that someone is religious in some way or what their belief system is, their worldview? Yes, very important. Those things can be formative, yet not foundational if it's not based on a relational place we call home with God, right? And here I'm not talking about getting our priorities out of whack. I'm talking about something a little different than getting an order of a list like God, country, whatever, incorrect. I'm talking about the identity of our hearts, right? What we love the most at the deepest level, this is the place of worship. This is the place of acceptance. This is the place of belonging, and this, my friends, really does have to come from our our relationship with God. And this is something beautiful, right? Uh, when we ask what family or team defines us, right, we have to ask which team. Well, I'm for the Hokies, or I'm for the Tar Heels, or I'm for the Paladins, whatever it means. I, I like the Chicago Bulls, right? Uh, people know what it means to kind of be identified with a team. Well, it's very important. Think about it for a second. If your primary identity in life was that you were a Duke Blue Devils fan, right, you would be pitied above all men, right? It's a a bad thing to base your foundational identity, but a different team, a different family, a different place of acceptance and belonging and love, right, uh, could be the most pure and foundational identity from which to do everything else in life, for instance, uh, this passage in the New Testament of the Christian scriptures, right? This is in uh, a book called Ephesians. In chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. That's relational language, metaphysical union relationship, uh, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. 
in love. He predestined us for adoption, right? Adoption. This means we become children, sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he blessed us in the beloved. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, God's kindness towards us, right? His, our unearned his favor upon us, not because of our earning it or doing something, winning football games, but because he loves us. He lavished grace upon us and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. They plan for the fullness of time to unite, right? Bring back together, reconcile all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And then it uh, a similar passage in the book of Colossians. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, given thanks to the Father, hear the relational language, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has delivered us from the domain, the team, if you will, of darkness, and transferred us into the kingdom, the rule and reign of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. You see, friends, uh, that place of belonging becomes core. And then things like sports or your work or your ministry can reinforce that identity and help you be a worshiper of God through, say, football or wrestling or economics or uh, digging ditches, whatever it might be. Or the secondary things can take us away from that core love for God to a love for ourselves or to love for things for their own sake. And that's where, you know, something that we do can become a form of idolatry and certainly take us away from who we are in him. So look, what you do matters greatly. And I wanted to say clearly also shapes your identity, but it can't be foundational has to be something that forms virtue in us and does not lead to idolatry or worship of things that aren't God. Now, let me illustrate uh, a simple way in which I've tried to teach this to my own, uh, my own son, because look, this stuff is hard when you're growing up and certainly um, our kids doing all types of things, trying to step out into the world and to um, try, you know, school, sports, whatever it might be, relationships. Um, I had the privilege of coaching my son in youth wrestling uh, from when he was in first grade uh, through, I believe, fourth grade. And, man, I tell you what, that is a dramatic, crazy, emotional place. You walk into the youth wrestling gym on a tournament or something, you'll see moms screaming, crying, kids crying, some crazy-looking dads that look like, man, ease up on your six-year-old, dude. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, one of the things that I knew could get confusing for my son was my identity as his father, uh, and as his coach and in his 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 view of himself as what my son and, you know, one of one of the wrestlers on the, the North Brunswick uh, Matt Raiders. And so here's a little ritual that we actually do. We still do this. Uh, I coached his middle school tournament uh, because the head coach was out of town. So me and the assistant, we kind of uh, cornered these kids. And so still do this anytime I coach my son. But first of all, I tell him we hug before every match. And when I first hug him, I'm telling him something uh, about his core identity. You're my son. I'm your dad. I hug him right before the match. Um, then in, in the middle, between uh, the two hugs, in the middle, I'm your coach. Right? Your secondary identity. You're a wrestler now. 
So if I yell at you to get his ankle or something, it's not because I'm rejecting you as my son, but you're an athlete. I'm coaching you now. And then uh, as a father, uh, after he finishes the match, win, lose, I don't care what happens. I really don't. Well, maybe I care a little bit. Uh, After the match is over, uh, I, I always hug him again. Second hug. What's that say? I'm your father. Um, I And I hear something I know. The secondary identities, his view as an athlete, his view of himself as a wrestler, everything that happens in between those two hugs will affect him. It will shape him, right? But he needs to know when he gets done, foundational. He is accepted. He belongs. We share the same name the foundation of his identity is his belonging and his love and his home i want to close uh with this emmanuel kant quote that's been kicking around in my head i can't i don't have it uh, cited here quite literally i just scribbled it down from memory and it's this all of my reason that means his thinking both speculative and practical boils down to these three questions what can i know what ought I to do, and in what may I have hope? Friends, we can know God, and then we can follow with purpose in his ways, right? Loving him, loving people, uh, on the mission he's given us, right? Uh, To bring others into this identity of daughtership, sonship. And in what may I hope? I tell you what, hope is so scarce today, particularly amongst young people. What is our future and hope? What is our destiny? Well, we have a beautiful one. It's more bright than we could believe if we are found in the family of God by Jesus. That's the kind of identity, guys, that we all can get with, right? Well, the Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change in the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. Five stars are acceptable. Write a little paragraph of kind things about uh, this podcast. Send your comments, feedback, or questions you might have for us to take up here on the Underground to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place between the borderlands, between church and culture. We hope you see you out there, friends. Jesse Fury back with us next week. Going to be talking about intellectual vices, thinking well, maybe worshiping God or loving God with our minds from our perspective. We'll hear you there next week. Peace.